Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, Director of Advancement here at DCC, and we want to thank you for joining us for this episode in our series that we have titled, Serve Like the King. In addition to this new series in 2022, you're going to notice that we have made a change in our format for this year, and we are releasing episodes twice a month now instead of on a weekly basis. You're still going to be able to access our podcast on all the popular platforms, and we will continue to provide quality content focused on current topics and events that are influencing our society, the world of education, and the local church. We are pleased to welcome the head of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Halen, to share from 1 Samuel chapter 2 today. Dr. Halen's been a regular guest on our podcast, and he's currently in his 29th year of teaching here at the college. Facilitating today's episode is the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast, Mr. Mark Worley, Vice President of Institutional Advancement. So, uh, Mr. Worley, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you introduce episode three of our Serve Like the King series. Thanks, Scott. And uh, as you said, Dr. Halen has been with us before. Some incredible insights. I remember especially uh, on the resurrection and also uh, dealing with eldership. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the listener hasn't heard those before, you really want to go back and take a look at that. Those are all available on our podcast, so you need to check those out. Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, how we have Western mindset and Western thinking we really do, and and so uh, that that don't necessarily gel with uh, with biblical times. And leadership is one of those. Uh, John Golden Gay uh, from Old Testament theology, uh, Doctor Eddie Sanders shared about this. Uh, he says this: leadership is not a category the First Testament or the New Testament works with. This is not proven by the mere fact that the scriptures lack words that cover the range of the English words leader or leadership. Sometimes cultures have concepts for which their languages don't have words. More significant is the fact that the scriptures do have an expression for the range of people that Western thinking refers to as leaders. You know, Nehemiah, you know, we do all kinds of studies from Nehemiah. Uh, but yet it's not used there, that term. That expression is servants of Yahweh. This reframes the category in significant ways. This leads into this interesting study of leadership in the Old Testament. And so Dr. Halen is going to continue that kind of thinking and give us, give us examples uh, all the way from the Old Testament. So Dr. Halen, I, I really look forward to uh, what you're going to share. I, we've already talked a little bit about that, and uh, it's pretty amazing. So I'm going to turn it over to you just to share what your thinking is about leadership or servanthood in the Old Testament. All right. Uh, first, uh, the the listener may want to pause the, re- you know, the recording right now and get out a Bible and read 1 Samuel 2, because our, our comments are going to be based on 1 Samuel 2. And it's a, it's a longer chapter, uh, and, and seeing what's in the text will, will be helpful. We don't want to take time to actually uh, read a long chapter. But the general structure is 1 Samuel 2 records the prayer that Hannah voices after uh, conceiving and giving birth uh, to Samuel. 
Uh, Samuel is brought to the tabernacle uh, where, where Eli and his sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, are officiating. And right away in, in the bulk of the chapter, we see a contrast between the boy Samuel, the young boy Samuel, and the sons of Eli who are despicable men. Uh, they are, are using their priestly office to uh, aggrandize themselves, basically stealing food from uh, offerings that portions that should be offered to the Lord. They're taking hold of that. They are threatening those who oppose them, who you know Israelites who know what the Torah says about what's supposed to go to the priest and what's supposed to go to Yahweh. They threaten those individuals, and then in, in a brief, but and I think it's brief because because the author is so shocking. The author doesn't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Is they're having sex with the women who minister there at the tabernacle, and we're told about uh, confrontation that Yahweh has through an unnamed prophet. He confronts Eli about not correcting his sons and says, you know, trouble's coming for the house house of Eli. So in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that that's going on in chapter 2, there, there are some really nifty things that we can learn about, about uh, what we call leadership and and. And what we could call, you know, servant leadership, if we if we understand that that uh, we're talking about men of God, uh, people of God, who move people in the right direction, and it is significant that this term "servant of the Lord" is used. the The primary uh, Old Testament figure uh, to whom that label is attached is Moses. And then following him is Joshua. So by this time, this idea of a servant of Yahweh, that those who lead must be not just not servants of the corporation, not just servants of the nation, but rather servants of Yahweh. And, and that's probably the first big lesson we see in this chapter, is that the authority to lead comes from who you are comes from character as opposed to position. The the power, the ability to lead ultimately is that you are empowered by God. You're empowered by Yahweh. And and we see this we see this in how Hannah is portrayed. We see it in her song and then we see it in how Samuel is portrayed, especially in contrast with the sons of Eli. Uh, in Hannah's song, uh, she sings about how Yahweh is the one who puts people in place and who, and who takes the powerful and removes them from power, power, who takes the marginalized and gives them a space, and who takes those who, who are all that in a bag of chips and, and, <laughs> cat, and, and pushes them to the side. And Yahweh is, is her salvation. Yahweh is her power. And so the idea is that ultimate power and ultimate ability to lead belongs to those who are aligned with God. And it is significant that we are told multiple times in 1 Samuel 2 that Samuel is in Yahweh's presence. Uh, it's interesting. In verse 21, in verse 
21, we're told, and Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of Yahweh. It's the way the ESV and I believe the NIV translates it. But more literally, it's, it's Samuel was with Yahweh, was with Yahweh. And that's the same description that's given of Moses when he's on uh, Mount Sinai. And the idea that, you know, we have all these references to Samuel grew in wisdom and in in favor with men and with Yahweh. Samuel is with Yahweh. And and I want, let me back the truck up a minute here and, and use this statement that, you know, all these, these are four different statements in the chapter about how Samuel is with Yahweh. And let's not forget where that comes from. We read about the context in which the boy Samuel's ministry. It's in the context of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, who don't appear to be all quite together as the servants of Yahweh that God would want them to be. So where does he get this? He gets it from his parents. Hannah and, and, and Elkanah are stellar Hebrews in chapter 1. And I think, I think because of my own life story, I resonate with this notion. I grew, up, I grew up in a church and in a family that recognized the ability of young people who are aligned with God to do great things for God. And, and I grew, grew up in the home of Walter and Evelyn Halen who, who prayed. I remember them praying that God would use Charles and Mark to do great things mm. for him. And, and it's fascinating. This, to me, this is fascinating that we, we read no more of Hannah, no more of Elkanah after chapter 2. But if not for Hannah and Elkanah, we don't have Samuel. We don't have, you know, you know, biologically, we don't have Samuel. And spiritually, we don't have Samuel. And I think one of the important lessons in leadership to learn from chapter 2 is, is sometimes God, when we are his servants, calls us to serve him by being significant in the life of someone who he's going to use in what we might call a significant way. And, and then that makes us significant. And I think in one of the great biblical wink-wink ironies is that another woman some 10 centuries later mm-hmm. will sing a song that will sound a lot like Hannah's song, and that's Mary. And we all know who Mary is. People who don't know who Hannah is know who Mary is. And maybe that was the wink-wink that God gave to Hannah as the final congratulations, job well done. So we have the significance of Hannah and Elkanah. And then then we have little Samuel. We don't know exactly how old he is, but little Samuel's there, and he's got his little, he's got his little outfit on. To me, this is fascinating that Hannah makes him this robe every year. He's got this little linen ephod. So he's made to look like a priest, and we may snicker a little bit like that. But I think what the writer wants us to understand is the kid that only looks like a priest is probably acting more like a priest than the people who actually have the official dudes on, you know, duds on, the official vestments, you know, you know, because 
while we're told that, that Samuel knows the Lord, we're told that Samuel is with the Lord, we are told that Hophni and Phinehas, they do not know the Lord. In 1 Samuel 2.12, we're told that. So we have this, and it's interesting, by the way, that both Samuel and the sons of Eli are both called Na'ars, the Hebrew word Na'ar, N-A-apostrophe-A-R, which is usually translated, our English translations, when it refers to Samuel as the boy. But when when we're talking about uh, Hophni and Phinehas, it's talking about the young men or the lads or something like that. But it's the same word. And I think the writer wants us to contrast. We have these two sets of young men, Samuel, Hophni, and Phinehas. Samuel is aligned with God, and ultimately, that's where power for leadership comes from. It's it's not about your capabilities. It's not about your, your education and your training. It's about your alignment with God. If you're aligned with God, you can lead people. All there is to it. All the stuff we learn in the classroom, all the stuff we learn in books is secondary and augmentary Uh to being a man or a woman of God. If you're aligned with him, if you're aligned with his purposes, my theology tells me you're going to be capable of doing things for him because that's the only real qualification. That's, That's what that's... That Golden Gate quote is about. It's about servanthood. It's about servanthood. I think I think there's also with this is as we think about leadership, beware of the facade. Again, Hophni and Phinehas, they got priestly vestments and and it's a facade. Samuel He's got an outfit. It pro, you know, who knows? Maybe people that walked, you know, came near the tabernacle. Maybe saw him run around. They they maybe thought of what we think about when we see a kid, you know, at Halloween on trick or treat night, dressed up like a policeman. You know, like oh, that's cute, that's cute. But you have the facade versus the reality with Samuel, and uh, and so. Uh, you know, I think those are a couple of the the biggest the biggest things we get. Then uh, the accountability, the accountability that leaders are accountable. Uh, the prophet comes down heavy on Eli because the sons they're they're off the rails, and uh, and if we are going to lead. God's church, we have to be aligned. We have to be with the program. And we we can't use our leadership to abuse people, to go after our agenda. It's obvious these guys have their own personal agenda. It's getting good food. <laughs> and it's having sex. Okay, they got an agenda, and they pursue it. Now, we may say, well, you know, as a leader, I'd never do anything like that. Yeah, but sometimes we have our secret agendas, you know. And, uh, and so we're, we're reminded by this by chapter two that leadership is not pursuing is not about pursuing an agenda that's why you have to be a servant of yahweh first because then the agenda is his agenda and you constantly you're asking what is god's agenda for this church what is god's agenda for my small group what does god 
what does Christ want me to do with this youth group? You know, and, and we pray about that, we study about that, we think about that, we plan, always in terms of what are God's ultimate objectives for the church and for his people. That's good. Yeah, you know, Mark, I think of uh, in your first part there, talking about Hannah, you know, Acts 13, uh, 36 came to mind. You know, when David had fulfilled God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. And I think it's so interesting that uh, when we realize that God has a purpose for us, and that's enough, you know, that, that, that's enough. Um, <clears throat> You know, 25 years from now, nobody will know who Mark Worley is or, you know, was at DCC or Dr. Halen or really any of us. But uh, but God, what really matters is how God uses us for his glory. Yeah. yeah. I would, and I would hasten to add, too, that, again, we have this young man and we've talked a bit about, you know, without Hannah and Elkanah, do we, we don't have a Samuel. And I think the repeated reference that he's with God, he's with Yahweh, that he knows Yahweh, tells us that if we want to foster leadership in the next generation, the key thing we have to do is to help them to know God. Absolutely. Yes. And so how is that done? Well, it's done through, in Samuel's day, that was done through the Torah. Well, it's still done through Scripture and then the modeling, and then giving opportunity to be about doing what God does. You know, to give young people opportunities of service, of love, you know, working compassionately with people, and, and you know, put, put young people in positions where they can come to know Jesus. You don't have to worry about <laughs> developing leadership because it will happen because when people replicate Jesus last I checked uh, New Testament seems to indicate <laughs> Jesus was a very effective leader uh, and again it's interesting that he uh, characterized his leadership as a following of the Father's will yeah you know you think of John 13 you know where Jesus says I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Now that you call me master and Lord for that is what I am. You know, that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I've shared with young people the way to develop leadership really is by being an example, by introducing them to the word, by praying for them, by helping them to understand they have a vision for who they can be and what they could do in the kingdom. Uh, Pretty, pretty simple, easy steps. You know, here at the college, that's, that's what I think about. Is, okay, I need to be an example for them. You are an example, Dr. Halen, an example. And uh, uh, to these students, and, and not only that, but you introduce them to the Word, and it's exactly what you were talking about when your parents prayed for you. And you heard them pray and knew they were talking to God. That's huge. And if you have a vision for what God can do in and through you, you know, that's, that's really what Hannah was doing. 
And what a difference. Yeah, there's the adage of leading from behind. <laughs> yeah. And that is precisely what Hannah did. Yep. Uh, you know, she led from behind, gave us Samuel, who's a hallmark of the prophetic line, anoints the first two kings of Israel. Uh, you know, she led from behind. And, and, and consequently, uh, you know, she did great things for God even though she probably would have pointed to her son. She did great things for God. That's great. Thank you all very much for sharing. Thank you, Dr. Halen, for that insight. Uh, if you were encouraged by this uh, podcast and what you've heard, I would ask you to share it with friends and coworkers, maybe those in ministry that you know that could be encouraged by this. Uh, Dallas Christian College is in the business of... Uh, raising up students and workers for the harvest field. And uh, part of that is helping them to know this God that we've been talking about. And, and uh, I could not echo that and agree with that anymore. I think the more our students know God, the better worshipers they're going to be, the better worship leaders they're going to be, and, and ultimately the better leaders for the kingdom of God they're going to be. In the coming weeks, you're going to hear from uh, other members of our DCC faculty and staff, uh, Harley Eim, David White, Gary Hardy, Larice Perry. So you have that to look forward to as we continue in our Serve Like the King series. But for now, we want to thank you. Thank you, Dr. Halen. Thank you, Mark Worley. And uh, pray that everyone is staying safe during this season. Take care. If you want to learn more about Dallas Christian College, you can obviously do that by checking out our website, www.dallas.edu. Until next time, take care, stay safe, and have a great day.